I was born in a house in a country which no longer exists, Transylvania. My sister was born on the same bed as I was a year earlier. She was a Hungarian. My passport said I was a Romanian. After the First World War, parts of Transylvania were ceded to Romania, a country that gained fame as the home of Count Dracula. It didn't matter that the countries had changed their names. It did matter how they were treating their inhabitants. Since both Hungary and Romania were equally anti-Semitic, it was very advisable for my parents to leave town and get out of the country, or countries, if they could. That's how my journey began, in conditions of absolute poverty. The peasant cottage in which I was born had no running water, toilet, or electricity. There was only one story and an attic. In order to get water, you had to walk several blocks to a well at the center of town. As soon as we could move, we took a small ship to America. We slept on an open deck in midwinter in 1920. We traveled third class because there was no fourth class. My father, restless and sleep-deprived, was tempted to throw me overboard when I kept howling with hunger, and it was only the intervention of an uncle traveling with us that saved me. We passed the Statue of Liberty as we came into New York Harbor, though I don't remember this considering I was only nine months old. The immigration officer at Ellis Island asked my parents for my name. Since my parents didn't speak any English and the officer didn't speak any Hungarian, Romanian, or Yiddish, they got just about everything wrong, apart from my marriage status. My parents gave my Yiddish name, Beryl. He said, Bella, and looked into the cradle and decided I was four months old. It was only by chance, after I had passed my 84th birthday, that I became aware I had entered the United States under false pretenses, as a four-month-old baby girl. So there I was, in America. We spent the first days, or weeks, sharing a crowded space at the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, HIAS, which provided shelter for entering immigrants. When I did a lecture for them, around 40 years later, they were surprised but pleased to hear the building was where I spent my first day in America. My father, a one-eyed shoemaker, searched in vain for paid employment. Despite his vision problems, he boasted of his ability to make a pair of boots from a single piece of cowhide. He had lugged his heavy anvils, hammers, and shoemaking tools across the Atlantic. Someone should have warned him that there weren't any cows in New York City, much less customers in the market for boots handmade by a Transylvanian cobbler. Unable to speak English, barely literate, homeless, and penniless, he was happy when a Jewish landlord offered him a job as a janitor tending apartment houses on 56th Street in a district known as Hell's Kitchen. We were given permission to live in the subterranean cellar of one of the apartments. That was my first home in the promised land, and where my mind came out of its cocoon. I recall the apartment had been partitioned off from the rest of the cellar. Its wood-burning stove, 
was near the large and deep wash tub, which doubled up as a bath. We had a celebration when we finally got a galvanized metal bathtub, which we put out in the hall and filled with buckets of hot water. The room in which I slept had no windows at all, and the walls were always wet due to the underground foundation. Other parts of the cellar were frequently occupied by alcoholics or vagrants who took shelter from the cold and slept on beds of old newspapers. They didn't call it Hell's Kitchen for no reason. It was Hell. Situated on the west side of Manhattan, it was lined with old walk-up apartments, the sort of New York you see in vintage movies, where smoke rises in plumes behind brownstone tenements, and the streets are filled with workmen and gangs smoking on corners. The highest-density crime area in the nation. A kindergarten of hard knocks, which taught me a crucial lesson. Live and let live.